you never put your dog on the ground. Of course it's trembling in fear and trying to bite everything. Jesus right. Christ. It's afraid of spiders. Welcome to Scatterbrand, episode 17, the Anvil episode. Yeah. Do it about a shirky. What's up, Dan? What's up, Ian? How's it going? We're going to get down to dirty. I've been listening to Anvil like crazy the last few days. I love it. Reminds me of being a kid again. I'm sure. So uh, how old were you when you first heard them? Uh, I think I was probably 13 or 14. 13. So that would have been, been like 80. Two no, 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 like two, 2006, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it would have been 82, no, 80, 83, so I was 14, yeah. And it was, um, it was, uh, it was metal on metal. Mm. Yeah. And then the next year was Forged and Fire in 83. Yeah. I loved them. There wasn't really a whole lot of metal back then, you know, there was like, you know, you had like Iron Maiden, Motorhead, Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, you know. That's yeah. about it. And then when Motley Crue first came out, that was like as heavy as you could get, believe it or not. I was like, oh, my God, Motley Crue's so fucking red. You know, two albums later, they stink. But and then all, you know, and then all the actual thrash metal came out. But mm-hmm. yeah, metal and metal is such a it was such a, an eye opener for me. And I think for a lot of people. So we're going to review their new album today, right? Yes. What's it called? Legal at last. So you want to start it? Well, it's interesting that we're doing Anvil. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, you've been wanting to do it for a while, and uh-huh. you know, and I really had heard of them and, and heard a little bit about them, but never really got into them like you. And it wasn't really until the movie, the Anvil movie. Oh yeah. That I really went back, went, you know, and sought the music out and listened to it. Mm-hmm. And you can't help. I mean, that's a great movie. You can't help but be pulling for those guys. And I know, I know, and all that stuff during that movie. You know, so yeah, it's pretty entertaining pretty endearing i guess yeah so you know that's sort of how i discovered them was from you know you and that movie and stuff like that so but this album's pretty good i'd be interested to hear what you say as far as um, your preference amongst the albums to me this seems like a a lot more straight hard rock yeah than yeah, nope. necessarily metal um, you go back right. and listen to like forged in fire which that album i think probably the, of the anvils that might be my favorite one that's yeah, you know that's a lot of people's favorite one. That's kind of what a lot of people consider their high water mark, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just that one seems like heavier. You know, yeah, it's, it's awesome. The yeah. metal on metal is good too. Um, yeah, this, this one good, just seems good more, more straightforward. On uh, yeah, more rock. You know, which is great. It's good. I like it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree. Um, what do you have a do you have a favorite song on here, or do you just think it's all just kind of eh, rock? Um. That's a tough question because yeah. there's some really good ones. I mean, you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I could just list the ones I really like. I like Gasoline a lot. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's my favorite. I, Talking to the Wall is a pretty good one. Glass House. You're picking all the same fucking songs yeah. I like, dude. It's so plastic funny. and plastic in paradise. Those are probably one oh, of the oh, stick to me. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting to me is it seems almost like whoever's writing this, in particular the lyrics, is almost like a. No, I don't want to say like an old man, but it's from a different perspective, oh, right? Yeah. That's how like... it, yep. He writes he writes kind of tongue in cheek kind of comedy stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, like an old yeah, I never thought of it from that perspective, but yeah. Like he's been true. there and done that. Yeah, and exactly. that. That's sort of the 
impression I got, you know? Yeah, it's totally true. He, he hits on all the big topics. He hits on, like, weed. He hits on, like, uh-huh. petroleum stuff. He hits on, you know, enjoy, and the one that sort of, I guess, stands out to that point is, like, the one song I'm Alive, where he's sort of, like, just talking about how, you know, it's good, you know, things are good, and he's alive, and he's playing rock and roll, which is right. kind of yeah. like his his the impression I get from him from watching the, the movie, the Anvil movie, you know? So, yeah. Uh, and then you have like the plastic in paradise talking about just the plastic disposable society. So society. So yeah, it just seems kind of like from the perspective of an, of an older man and who's been there and done that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, almost all of their music really, I think it's probably all written by, by lips. Um, Cudlow last name. Uh, and it, it all has a pretty good message. You know, it's all, it's pretty left-wing as I am, you know, like save the fucking planet and his politics are about the same. And then he's always got something good to say, but he always does a lot of like funny songs as well. A lot of sex oriented songs and uh, you know, like pro drugs and rock and roll kind of songs. But he always does it kind of funny and tongue in cheek. He can't help but laugh. And then when you see him live and he's doing leads with a dildo, it's like, Jesus Christ, these guys are out of control. And I, I thought it was just a rumor, but when I saw him live, I was like, yeah, it's true. He's doing slide fucking guitar with a dildo. It's like, oh my God. Where did you where did you see them perform? Sports arena or something? Oh, that was in San Pedro. I'll get to that in a second though, okay? You want to hear my, my thoughts on this album? Sure, please do. Because I, there was a, a moment there in time where I just lost track of Anvil because you can't find their albums here. I mean, it's distribution, it's something, but in Southern California... I could get their albums at like Tower Records through the 80s, early 90s. And then it was like they just vanished. And I thought they, honestly, for about 10 years, I thought they broke up because I heard nothing about them, found no albums. You know, it's just kind of sucks. They're stuck way up north. But I I like this album, but I agree with you. It's kind of just, you know, it's like hard rock. But it all sounds like Anvil to me. Like the first song, too, I thought for sure that was going to be based on like, like his neighbor finally turns 18, you know. So he yes. can hit it, yeah. You know, legal at last, and then and then I heard the bong sounds in the song. I was like, oh, I get it. Legal at last, right? I thought that was pretty funny. Um, it's kind of the the upbeat. There's like an upbeat sort of anvil, and it's good, but it's not really my favorite style that they do. I guess nabbed in Nebraska is, is also about pot. It's yeah. a better it's a better song, but it's kind of like their their anthem sort of anvil sounding song. You know, does that make sense? They have kind of a pattern. They have like this upbeat sex, drugs, and rock and roll sound. They have an anthem which is self-explanatory. They have the the third kind of sound, which is like heavy fucking Anvil. That's my favorite, obviously. And I don't think they have a single ballad on any of their albums, which I think is very respectable, actually. Their political songs, are, they kind of are upbeat sounding, but they, they're faster tunes with pissed off lyrics. Uh, track three kind of falls into that category. Uh, Chemtrails, you know. Yeah. You know. And um, Gasoline is one of my favorite songs, definitely. That's uh, that To me, this song is Anvil, if that makes sense. Slow grinding with a, with a catchy, memorable chorus. And it has a, a pretty great message, actually. It's heavy as fuck. It's got a great lead in the middle. Yeah, I love that song. I'm Alive falls into their kind of upbeat model of songwriting. Yeah, the sure opening, does. yeah, opening and main riffs kind of remind me of early Saxon. I don't know if you ever listened to Saxon. I mean, it's a good song, but it's a little bit too radio for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, one of, it's one of my least favorites on the album. Uh, Talking to the Wall, this is the heavy anvil category for me. It kind of has an, an anthemish element, if that makes sense. It's, a, I mean, it's got a good melody and everything. It was faster paced. It, it kind of reminds me of the Forged in Fire songwriting. It's almost like one of the. It could have been one of the songs from Forged in Fire they just threw on the scrap heap and then revisited or something, because it sounded a lot like a lot of the songs on Forged in Fire, Talking to the Wall. Glass House um, is their melodic song. I don't want to say it's really their anthem. Uh, you said you like that song. Yeah, I did. 
Okay. Um, it, it seems like the song that would be played on any city's hard rock FM station, like to death, you know, it's not like a ballad, but I think this would be like your girlfriend's favorite song on the album. Yeah, my, I could see that. I could see yeah. that. Yeah, because of the chorus, you know. But yeah, it's I my like least favorite. It's my least favorite song. Now, uh, it's mercifully, mercifully short, so no biggie. I wrote. <laughs> um, Plastic in Paradise is a song with a good message, but for me, the backbone riff and the verse feel kind of forced. I guess the chorus keeps it interesting and it saves it from sucking completely. I really like the bridge and the lead break is awesome. Um, then they go back to the verse and chorus one more time. You know, one more go around. And then the, the outro, like the little outro thing they do is fucking awesome, actually. But it's, you know, it's an okay kind of slow tempo song. Bottom line is a classic upbeat, like mid-tempo, kind of good times, early sounding anvil to me. It's not particularly heavy, but I like this song. It's a fun song. Food for the Vultures is cool, fast-paced. It really showcases Rob Reiner's skills on the drum kit, though. That guy's a badass drummer. Yeah, actually, that was one thing I meant to mention about this album is the drumming on this is very good. It's very good on every album, dude. He's an amazing drummer. Um, the exit riff and change are awesome on that song. Um, this is what I really wanted to get to was said and done. The song said and done. That's number eleven, dude. This is that is... the second? Is that the second to last one before? Like, or the one before yeah, the bonus? Yes, track? yes. And I immediately I heard Sabbath's Lord of This World immediately. You know, <laughs> da, 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 da. it's fucking Lord of This World. I was like, what the hell? Is the main riff is Lord of that is Lord of This World. Um, then the change about halfway through is totally, totally Sabbath. It's a Sabbath type change. It's got like additional little Iomi like riffing all throughout the song. I mean, this is, you know, Black Sabbath, our, our metal gods also kind of blatantly, unabashedly, like purposely sounds like like multiple Sabbath songs. And it's actually one of my two favorite songs on the album. It's total homage, like medley sort of thing, but without actually covering one of their songs. It's really obvious if you ever listen to Sabbath in depth. You're gonna hear it all through the album. You're gonna go, oh my god! You know, it's so he he makes it obvious. He's just doing it intentionally. He's got to be. Yeah. Uh, now the bonus song, No Time. I love this song. It's fast paced. It's kind of in your face. The double bass is fucking aggressive through that song. Um, it's one of the favorite songs on the album for me. The last two and Gasoline are my favorite songs on the album. It's you know kind of fast, fast beat, fast tempo. It's got a great message. It's the other kind of anvil sound I love. If that makes sense. There's a kind of slow grinding heavy, and then there's that kind of upbeat sort of sort of double bass sort of fast. They have that slow grinding heavy melodic kind of memorable anvil, and then there's this this anvil, but to me it's all anvil. Like various songwriting formulas they use, Lips uses, various styles of songs, but um, kind of like Motorhead or Overkill. As soon as I hear it, I know it's fucking anvil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I, I will always love anvil. Um, I'm glad I kind of rediscovered them big time, and I'm glad this was brought up as a, as a topic because – they deserve their due somehow, some way. Um, they're not going to get it from us, obviously, but I think that movie helped them out a lot too. They're, you know, that guy who made that movie in 2008, I think. Did you know they came here when they showed that movie, and then the curtains pe- peeled back, and it was Anvil playing a live show, like down at like the Ken Ken Cinema down off, off of, um, in San Diego. I did you know, know that? that. No, it was I didn't in know that. I thought we talked about it. It was like 2009, I think, and it said, you know, we're going to be showing at Ken. You know, we're going to show the documentary at the Ken Cinema. And then at the bottom in small print it says Anvil will be Anvil will be headlining the show. And then after the movie, like everything pulled away and it was Anvil standing there and they played a full show, dude. They did that like 10, 10 different dates around the country, I think. Wow. Did you go? Did you go? No, I didn't go because I was like, no, I don't know if I'll go. I don't know if I even want to go. And by the time I waffled and waffled, it was too late. I was, dude, you got to just go to stuff like that. I don't care. Go, I, by, yourself. go yeah. by yourself. I've yeah, done I, that. I kicked myself because it just came and went and it was like, oh, that'll never happen again. 
Yeah. I mean, they rarely make it this far down south anyway, you know, so it was like, yeah, oh well. Kind of blew it. That's all right. Oh, maybe, you know, they got this new album out, so maybe uh, they'll be touring once. I know they were doing a Europe thing before the whole COVID shutdown. They love Europe, and they yeah. love Japan. They love Japan, too, so. Yeah, well, I suspect that's because that's where they get probably the greatest response. Oh, sure. Crowd, yeah. you know, people sure. More into it and stuff. Is well, it, I mean, that's sort of what was cool about the... Well, maybe we shouldn't say. I was going to make a comment yeah, about... Don't, yeah, yeah, no. no. <laughs> but anyway, I would say, you know, this isn't necessarily one of my favorite Anvil albums, but it's it's pretty good. I mean, I, I like it better than the last one. It's the best one since probably 13, which is the one, you know, the movie. They did, they were recording yeah. during the movie. That one's pretty good, too. But, yeah, this is probably the, um, probably the best one since then. The early Anvils and stuff. Like, my favorite album of theirs is 1988's Pound for Pound. That album is absolutely badass. Yeah, Did that you? is a good one. I've yeah. Seen that. Oh, my God. That's such a – I mean, every song is just – I mean, for the time, too, it was really heavy. It's probably even heavier than their stuff now, too. So, anyway. So, yeah, I, get, I, I don't know. I'd give it a three out of five, maybe. Oh, really? Can we do fractions or we go on just – I'm just going to go with – I'm just going to go with five stars for me. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. I would say probably, like, three and a half. I, I like it. It's just, oh, cool. I think for me, I have to be, it would be more in the mood. You know what I mean? Cause it's, yeah. like I said, it's just more of a hard rock thing, which is fun. I like hard rock, but it's gotta be more in the mood for that. I'm more likely to grab some sort of heavier music, yeah. but I do like it. And again, you know, with you recommending it and stuff, it brought me back to even listen to those albums again. So I, I was thinking about the other day when I started listening to them, you, you would have been like, holy shit. You would have been like, how old would you have been? You would have been like four years old or something, right? Uh, when did you say you started listening to him? I was, well, I was 13, 14, 83, so 14. So I would have been like seven years old. Oh, okay. All right. You were, you were jamming out on Anvil at seven? What the fuck, dude? I know, right? <laughs> Probably right, at well, seven years old, I was listening to Kenny Rogers with my dad or something. <laughs> I, think, I think I was listening to, uh, what was it? It was Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley, actually. Yeah. And uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Woohoo! And Elvis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elvis is another big yeah. one. And also, fucking Neil Diamond. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the Anvil topic, eh? All right, all right, all right. Dan, I'm back. <sighs> all right, well, I'm gonna read this, all right? Please do. Formed in 1978 under the moniker Lips, they released their first album, Hard and Heavy, under that name in 1980. While it had its moments, they sounded like a slightly heavier Ted Nugent ripoff band. It would eventually be re-released years later under the Anvil moniker. Then in 1982, they released what is in fact the very first true thrash metal album, Metal on Metal, with such groundbreaking songs as 666, March of the Crabs, and the epic Mothra. Writing the critical success, Anvil has never enjoyed popular financial success of Metal on Metal. They quickly released what many believe to be their finest album, Forged in Fire, in 1983. Packed full of memorable, well-written, and very catchy metal, it propelled them to mentor status amongst their peers, inspiring numerous successful thrash metal bands to blossom leading up to the first releases of the big three, Metallica, Slayer, and Anthrax. Megadeth's first album wouldn't be released for another year, and they weren't considered in that group until years later, following the massive success of Countdown to Extinction. Then the years of strife set in. Management issues, production issues, the record label issues, they all piled up to keep Anvil stalled for the next four years. They missed their moment. A quick release in 1984 alongside the big three would have cemented their legacy and popularity surely would have followed. Instead, they were left freezing in the North, forgotten. When they finally released Strength of Steel in 1987, 
It left a lot of their diehard fans stunned, some angrily disappointed at the long wait for something relatively weak and uninspired. Another misstep by the Canucks, still freezing cold and seemingly getting colder. I personally liked it, although I did consider it a step down in heaviness, and it was poorly produced with uneven songwriting. But it, I listened to I listened to the hell out of that album. The musical rebound came a year later, though. They put out my personal favorite Anvil album, Pound for Pound, in 1988. It's heavy, fast, crisp, and well-written. Uh, this is Anvil. This was Anvil in my mind. This is how they should sound. But alas, it was too late. The music world had passed him by, and by 1988... The metal market was saturated with bands, some good, some bad, but new metal was everywhere in all shapes and sizes. Anvil would be mentioned in other bands' documentaries as an inspiration, a consolation prize of sorts, I guess. I went to San Pedro to see them in 1989, and I actually had the privilege of meeting Lips. Uh, as a 20-year-old super fan, I was nervous when I shook his hand, and like a dork, I said, I've been wanting to meet you. And <laughs> Yeah, at which time he immediately cut me off, pointed at me, and smiled and said, that's great, and then walked away. I felt like a douche. He's a funny guy. I had no idea they were recording their first live album that night. I was pressed against the stage directly under lips, catching all his flying spittle, watching him do leads with a dildo, and screaming the lyrics to every song. When the album was released a year later as Past and Present Life, I bought it on cassette. Remember those? And I was surprised and actually pretty thrilled to hear me in the background. I was screaming my guts out right under his mic and singing along. That was me. I knew it was me because I know my own fucking voice. I went back recently and listened to it again on Spotify. And I was actually kind of bummed to hear that all the background noises were scrubbed out. And, oh, uh, no. That was yeah, and, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, well, then, and crowd sounds were kind of dubbed in. So now it sounds like this huge concert. Uh, but in fact, it was a small club with maybe 250, 300 people tops. Um, it was still a great show, and it was a good vibe album. Um, they didn't really need to add all the extras or take my voice out, but whatever. Um, after that album, I looked for new Anvil albums for years and years, and I never could find any down here. You know, it, I slowly but surely stopped looking. Uh, they fell off my radar. About 17 years later, a friend of mine brought over like a. Um, it was Tim. I don't know if you know Tim. Uh, he he brought over a CD, Best of Anvil, and listened to it, and I was like, oh, there's some good songs on here. Um, but I had basically had forgotten them. Uh, then that documentary came out in 2008. Anvil: The Story of Anvil. I think to both of our surprise, it was pretty good, right? I was yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was really good. Like I said, yeah. that kind of it got yeah. me. You know, like I said, it couldn't help but endear you to them, you know? Yeah. I think I watched it with my mom even once, and she's like, when it was over, she's like, oh, those poor guys. <laughs> I was also surprised, surprised at how prolific they had remained over the years without me being able to find any of their friggin' albums anywhere in Southern California. Uh, so they were just performing live, at, like it up in Canada no, and stuff? No, was... I, well, I guess. I don't know. But they're putting out albums consistently every like two years, three years for 40 years now, 45 years. And it, for, there's like a 20-year gap where I, I couldn't find any new Anvil. I just thought they just disbanded, you know, and were done. I, I don't know. I never heard about them. Never on the radio, of course, you know. Yeah, but they've remained prolific, prolific as hell. Um, uh, they seemingly have been thwarted by fate from selling albums even to their fans. So how can a band succeed when the cosmos conspires against them? Uh, I bought the CD that was highlighted in the documentary called This Is 13 and have been playing catch up ever since. So um, the new album 2020 is legal at last that we just reviewed. And uh, all I can say is they still sound like Anvil to me. It's not a bad thing. Lips, Kudlow, and Rob Reiner made a pact when they were teenagers, as they say in the movie, to stick together and rock forever. I'm kind of glad they did, actually. The end. Wow, that was pretty good, Ian. Thanks, definitely. Man. So you, you crafted that yourself? I crafted that all by my widow, Lonesome. 
out of my fandom like a little boy still. Yeah. <laughs> if Lips heard this, he'd be all, "Oh shucks." Maybe he'd probably he's, say, "He'd probably look, go thank you and walk away." <laughs> he'd probably be standing there naked or something and want to shake my hand like a weirdo, fucking strange guy. The cover of that, I mean, the cover of that DVD, standing there with his guitar on butt naked, fucking <laughs> the drummer standing next to him. It's like, oh my god. You know, I never noticed that, but I'm looking at that, that cover right now. <laughs> <laughs> look at the look on the drummer's face, on Rob Reiner's face. It's so funny. She's like, whatever. whatever. What is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. Now, did you notice the paintings? I wanted to talk about this. Did you notice that dude's paintings in the movie? His artwork? Um, Rob, Rob well, Reiner's an amazing artist. He's fucking amazing. I, I had to, like, pause and take a look at it because you can't. He won't let people see that shit. He doesn't sell it. He doesn't show it. I've looked everywhere online, on YouTube, everywhere. It's just to, to see some of that stuff. I can't I can't find it. And you'll probably look at your phone right now and find it, won't you? Rob Should Reiner. I? <laughs> if you can, I'm going to die because I right, let's look at Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner Canada artwork or something like that, anything like that. Art paintings, Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner of Anvil art. But he even Ra- says. Would Rob Reiner art.com count? <laughs> Fuck off. No, not not Rob Reiner of Anvil Art, right? Oh, man, i got to get on my phone. RobReinerArt.com. I haven't looked for a couple years, but there's nothing there, man. Yeah. And he even says in the movie, it's like, he's like, it's it's for me. I do this for me, not for anyone else. Because he's got him hanging all over his studio in his Are house. He's selling a canvas collection. No. That's basically, yeah. that's somewhat new. That's within the last five years. Because I was like fanatically like looking for that shit. And I was like, well, he's serious. He's not even going to show it. 2019, he, he was doing a he was doing an art show in Japan. In 2019? Yeah, November. Yeah, I didn't look since the, the early like probably 2014 or 15 is the last time I really checked. And you can buy if you go to shop. Yeah, he wasn't selling anything. Showing? Are they showing pictures of his stuff? I got to look this up. Because his his artwork to me is robreinerart.com. It, it's my kind of artwork, dude. It's totally my kind of artwork. It's just weird and and there's a lot of metal stuff. Like I think he does a lot of like anvil paintings too, which are really cool looking. Yeah, but on the home page, he's got a whole bunch of anvil stuff, sure, yeah, yeah. things, and then he's got some prints, a right Stonehenge yeah. print, to, to find and this. then he's got a book. The Rob Reiner Rob Reiner art count, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, do you like that stuff now or no? I, I I mean, I have to look through it. I remember I don't remember seeing it in the movie. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's in, in the movie, a while, yeah. admittedly, that I've watched the set, watched the whole movie. So yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's in the movie. Um, well, it shows. It says images, and it just shows pictures of him. That's no good. That doesn't. He's help got. He's all. selling a can. If you go to shop, he's selling a canvas, and then he's selling a book of the, the of uh, the different canvases. Oh, and there's Meathead right there. No, wrong. Rob Reiner. There. Yeah, there he is. Rob Reiner. <laughs> the cover with him standard butt naked. No, I don't want to see Meathead. It's just pictures of him. There's no artwork. Are you finding the artwork stuff? Yeah, robreinerart.com, dude. That's what I'm at, but I hit images and it's just pictures of him. robreinerart.com. Yeah, and then if you click on shop, you, go, you can see selling a book. Yeah. That's the key is shopping, right? Generally. <laughs> now, it's just, now it's just a collection of ellipsis dildos. Dude, what is up with my phone? Kidding. Okay, <laughs> okay well, it's not really showing me a whole lot here. No, now it's actually Rob Reiner, the other guy's art. What the fuck? Never mind. I give up. It's pretty complicated. Shut up. <laughs> too many Rob Reiners. Yeah, that's true. Too. Dude, that, that guy's a huge, you know, he's a huge inspiration to a lot of older metal drummers too, right? Like the guy the guy we used to play, um, the guy used to play drums for us, but, um, 
I remember in the late eighties asking him who his favorite drummer was. And he said, Rob Reiner. And I remember being like shocked, you know, like what really? So yeah, dude, Anvil's drummer, Rob Reiner. I'm like, I know who Anvil is, but I'm just kind of surprised you said that. And ever since he said that though, I've really paid extra special attention to the drum parts and he's fucking amazing. Actually, they fit together quite well. I wonder, I wonder how they can afford touring because they go to like Japan and Europe a lot. And I think they have to cover themselves. You know what I mean? I guess. Well, like when they, they went to Poland and stuff, and they had to they had to take time off from their day jobs and all kinds of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, now I mean, I don't know. They, they're touring and stuff. They were touring. I, yeah. I imagine that. You think now that they're in their mid sixties, early seventies, they're finally successful? <laughs> I don't know. That kind of sucks. Well, I've been wanting to do this for a while, so thanks for uh, indulging me, Dan. Yeah, no, it's good. Thanks for I listening love- to Scatterbrain. We love or I love Anvil. Join us next time. See you later, right. Dan. Thanks for listening. All right, my brother, I'll see you later. All right.